<laughs> All right. Doing great. Let me try that one more time. Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I am your host this week, Comrade Dracula. Anthony has uh, quit the show for good. No, I'm just kidding. He's on vacation, well-earned vacation. Uh, him and his goodly wife are traveling somewhere around the East Coast, uh, I'm told. Uh, I don't think he's taken any time off from his job. Since before the pandemic started, he works in a pharmacy. So, like, yeah, a lot of stress. A lot of stress. Definitely well deserved. Um, but with me in his place uh, is um, Jules. <laughs> Welcome yep. back. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, how's how's summer? <laughs> how's summer been um, for you? Good, I guess. Just laying low. N- nothing crazy. <laughs> Nobody here is wearing masks and, uh, you know, the cases are creeping back up, so I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, so you're still um, sort of self, self-isolating, self social distancing at home. That's um, right. Yeah, I was back in Michigan um, for a memorial, and it was like nobody. Nobody had a mask on anywhere. And for the most part, in public, here in Chicago, everyone's still wearing a mask. Like, if you go into a store, maybe 10% of the people you see won't be wearing one, right? But, like, you know, I was actually... God, where was I the other day? Um, God, I was somewhere, and I've had this upper respiratory cough, and I was, like, worried about coughing in public. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it started from allergies. It started as like a, a sinus uh, allergy congestion that turned into an infection. And, but now, it, you know, people have been like, well, you might, you know, because you got vaccinated, you might just have like a mild form of COVID because you got, you know, supposedly that's what it does is it, mm-hmm. you know, you get less symptoms, basically, you don't die. Um, but I haven't lost my sense of smell or anything like that. So I don't, I don't think it's that. I think it's just like a regular, regular sinus ear nose throat kind of thing so nice. we'll see we'll see but um we've had great weather here recently i've been out riding the bike every night um the fixed gear i was out riding last night and i don't know why but like i've never seen more people driving at night with their headlights off than i have in chicago it's like if i go ride my bike for an hour or two i'll see at least 10 cars no headlights on yeah um i don't know what it is i like maybe our City, our streetlights are so bright here, people just don't fucking notice it, right? Could be. We've and had a lot of rain, and people aren't putting theirs on, which is obviously really? dangerous. Yeah, way, yeah. way more dangerous when the road's wet, right? Especially because you can't see the lines on the road, right? right? Um, so I, I, I'm coming around like this corner, and this van almost blows a stop sign, right? Like right as I'm going through the intersection, I had the right away, mm-hmm. and the lights are off. And the windows rolled down, so I just looked at the car, and, and I just shouted, lights! Just like, lights! And, you know, I shouted it loud enough, I know the driver heard me. So I just keep going, and the, the van or truck, whatever the fuck, SUV passes me. And I don't know if it was the driver or the passenger, but I hear, like, this voice just go, You're fucking rude! <laughs> <laughs> like, like shouted at me. And they still have turned the fucking lights on. Like, how do you not get it when somebody... So clearly, like, they're driving drunk, basically. Right. Like, just complete, you know, oblivion. Like, I hope you got pulled over, honestly. You fucking drive around with no lights on. Um, but yeah, it was the voice was just like that. Like, total valley girl. Like, you're fucking rude. <laughs> so, I was it's like... like you no, try to do you. them a favor, but you know what? Forget mm. it. Yeah, well, there's also that urban myth that, like, people, you know, uh, 
kids that want to join a gang, like their gang initiation is to drive around with the lights off. And yeah. like the first first person to like flip their headlights at them to let them know the lights are off, they have to go shoot. Which th- that was like the first thing somebody told me about Chicago when I got here. I was like, that's I, I don't think that's a real thing. That would be <laughs> like the strangest, craziest gang initiation I've ever heard yeah, of. But I haven't heard that. No. Yeah. Um, but we I mean, we have plenty of other shootings. So it's not like there's, you know, not right. the will to, to do that. We had uh, over this Fourth of July weekend, we had 98 shootings in Chicago. Um, I don't even know how many we had here, honestly. Uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 uh, it's a mess. Yeah, um, and there's lots of you know huge underlying problems and causes for all that. But um, one of, of the you, you're familiar with good uh, what is it? Um, good Kids, Mad City. Yes, is a group here that's, and their whole thing is like you know cops don't keep us safe, we keep us safe. And they had a tweet recently, and they said, you know, part of us keeping ourselves safe is don't go to a fucking party with a loaded gun when you're going to get tanked. <laughs> That's just well, like you're making, you know, sense, like yeah. if you're going to get drunk and possibly get in a fight and you bring a loaded weapon, like, come on, don't don't do that shit. Like, let's have fun and not kill each other. Right. So right. anyway, I, I appreciated their take on it. But um, yeah. So what fun things should we talk about this week? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think we have a lot to discuss. <laughs> Where should we start? Um, should we talk about Haiti first? Because I feel like that's probably the most topical yeah. thing. Yeah, that's the newest, latest. Um, so I don't, I don't know a whole lot about this uh, president that just got assassinated today. Like, I know there's been lots of people who have been forced out via coups that we backed. But right. I don't know a lot about this guy, and I was hoping you might... Um, uh, be able to share a, little a little bit, bit if you know. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, he definitely was backed by the U.S. And um, I guess, like, I was reading online today that um, he had just recently appointed a new prime minister and then changed his mind about his choice. Um, and I had actually posted about it on the government accounts. So, as far as I know, the person that he was going to initially choose and had changed his mind about is now the interim president and Hmm. he has a long history uh with the united states right (laughs) yeah and and i read that these uh trained assassins were speaking um spanish spanish yeah and english yeah not not the you know what they would be speaking french most of the time down there um so yeah probably trained in the u.s um or you know, recruited from other Latin American countries. You know, there's obviously a resurgence of uh, right-wing death squads in Colombia. Correct. Um, I've just been, like, in doing research for the show, I've been going back and reading through uh, just, like, you know, like like all the... T- today, uh, the Clintons were trending, right? Because the Haitian president gets knocked off. And right. so, like, the right-wing people that think that, you know, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton have had, like, all these people murdered, you know, and which, like... I mean, fucking Epstein, you know, <laughs> like, right. who, who's, who's to say? <laughs> but, you know, I tweeted this out. I, I, I tweeted some screenshots of an article just like going down the whole list of all the Latin American coups that Hillary Clinton supported and like all the, you know, like Plan Colombia, which was like this big economic thing and like all the right wing death squads that popped up from that again, right. you know, and, and how she wanted to expand this plan to other Latin American countries as Secretary of State. And it's like the only thing you know wrong with the QAnon nutters who think that you know that Hillary's death count is a real thing is that they don't count 
most of those people. <laughs> they right. don't count enough people that Hillary Clinton is responsible for getting right, killed. It's always only the prominent people that they've heard of. They don't really ever consider the lives of people in those countries. No, of course not. And if you told them that it was mostly like, you know, labor leaders, uh, you know, trying to organize unions, they'd be like, exactly. oh, I don't like I actually like her for that now. Like, they yeah, just, you know, exactly. Indigenous people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't it's this happened so recently. I, I don't know exactly uh, the details, but, you know, it's to. Anything goes down in Haiti, the U.S. is always... The U.S. knows about it, about. of course. And that's exactly the, what I was going to say. Like, the, I mean, their hands are in it. They Anything goes on within those borders, they definitely know, like, it was going to go down and they sat back and watched, or they actively participated. Yes, exactly. And we talked I, about this last yeah, week. How I feel um, like... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just... Uh, uh, the uh, the revelation that like a bunch of the Khashoggi assassins were all trained here in the U.S. Yeah. right you know for for defense but then it turns out like they're actually learning how to like cut limbs off and haul them away in body bag you know <laughs> duffel bags or whatever it's, could be very uh, well the same people you never know you know yeah yeah uh, but you were you're gonna say something yeah so what I was gonna say was that I feel like the president probably just you know. It, is no longer useful to the cause. So they found somebody that was going to be just as obedient. And also, you know, right now it sets the clock back. So, you know, he was bad PR for the U S because Biden, you know, was basically backing a dictator that overstayed, you know, his, his term. Right. So now they can put somebody in that's going to be just as useful to them, but it's like a whole new face. So they get to, you know, say that they support it and, you know, nothing really changes for the Haitians. Exactly. And, you know, and you read the comments under the news items and you see people saying shit like, you know, well, this is just proof that, uh, you know, Haiti can't take care of itself, you know. And oh, of it's, course. It's, and it's just completely ahistorical because, of course, more than any other Western nation, Haiti took care of itself when they kicked out the fucking French and the British. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, for that rebellion, you know, the first successful, you know, real successful slave rebellion that turned into, you know, a sovereign okay. country, like the the rest of the Western world has never forgiven Haiti for that. And they're perpetually trying to punish Haiti for the last 225 years, 225 years. Yeah. Uh, the debt that they were forced to pay back to France, which is equivalent of twenty one billion dollars uh for b because they took the land back from the slave owners. right it's, it's unreal like, it's unreal <clears throat> yeah well when we when we did um a review of uh the the good lord bird series on showtime which uh was uh, ethan hawk playing um john brown i did a ton of research on it and you know one of the things he was charged for was uh sedition Right. because he based like they found a bunch of history books about the haitian revolution in, in his house and they thought that that was proof that he was going to murder a bunch of slave owners which he you know already had done in uh oklahoma or no kansas sorry kansas um and he had drafted up like a constitute like his own constitution for the state of virginia once he took it over so like they knew he had bigger plans than just stealing some guns from the armory um and i was like well fuck if he you know like if he knew so much about Haiti, it makes sense that, you know, they also knew about him. On the day that uh, he was hanged, the entire nation of Haiti, like, shut down 
in mourning. Right. Right. And they named their their main street Warrior Prince after after John Brown. So it's it's like that that history, you know, them knowing what was going on here and him knowing about the history that went that happened there. Like we don't really learn about those two things as coinciding or one inspiring the other, you know? We don't even learn um, about those two things at all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we taught ourselves right. after the fact. Well, it, and that was that was the crazy part because like the southern slave owners in the U.S. around the you know the 1850s when John Brown was going to Harpers Ferry, they all knew about the Haitian slave rebellion, yep. right? Because they were terrified it would happen in the U.S. too. So they were they were extremely paranoid about uh, you know the exact same thing. I mean, they, they knew about Nat Turner. Nat Turner went and just killed every single white person he could find. Right. You know, uh, so that was very much I think has been sort of the history that's at the core of our foreign policy towards Haiti is to always make sure they're poor, just, you know, to, to disrupt them. The, what was the Clinton Foundation went down there and, you know, said, oh, you want, uh, you want humanitarian aid after the 2010 earthquake? Well, we don't want you to be able to, to grow your own rice. We want to force you to have to buy rice from, from farmers in the U.S. And they did that. Right? right. And it's like, well, why, why can't they be self-sufficient? Is it because you have these predatory neoliberal trade deals uh, and and these philanthropic, I can't say the word philanthropic uh, NGOs like the Clinton Foundation that basically buy up small countries, you know. And and this didn't even start when she was Secretary of State. This started back in the seventies. Um, there was I think it was Citibank was trying to basically buy the island of, uh, you know, the entire island of Hispaniola, as far as their economic interests were concerned, um, take over their local banks basically. So. Uh, yeah. So that I mean, sucks. As Secretary of State, <laughs> she basically argued, um, you know, so that they couldn't, I guess, increase. They had voted to increase their minimum wage, and she was part of that fight to roll it back. Right. Right. Like same same as with uh, Puerto Rico, where Obama lowered their minimum wage to four dollars and twenty five cents. And that's the reason why you see Puerto, uh, black and white Puerto Rican flags flying all over Chicago. Um, is in protest to uh, what was it called? Promisa. Yeah. Like they they came up with an acronym that sounded like the word promise. Like oh, you promised to pay that debt back, so now we're gonna have a, a clever acronym. So yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and yeah, also last week we we it was during while we were recording that the news that Donald Rumsfeld uh, fucking kicked the bucket um, at the age of eight. Nap. <laughs> You're right. Uh, at the age of 88, which is also just, you know, if you don't know, like the Nazi numbers, like, you know, perfect, perfect age for mm. those fuckers. Um, and so we were all excited on, on the air, um, but we knew that whenever somebody terrible dies, there's always just, just god awful obituaries. And Associated Press had a great headline here for theirs, uh, read it. Donald Rumsfeld, a cunning leader undermined by the Iraq war, <laughs> which is just like, like, oh, yes, the, the Iraq war undermined him. He was the one that got us to. Like, he, he he's the victim. He's the victim. Right. It, like, like, oh, the Iraq war tricked us. Iraq tricked us into invading and now he won't let us leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just it's just fucking insane. And. There was, there was a ton of these like this. Um, USA Today, remembering Donald Rumsfeld, a respected and, ad and admired leader who simply stayed too long. 
Like, no, no, that's yeah, not. Like, it, that's not what it wasn't happened, that actually. <laughs> no, it's what he did while he was there. It wasn't that he just held on to the post too long. Um, and, and then they, this is, this is insane. I don't know who, what, like, net sec person wrote this, but I wanted to read a uh, quote here. So uh, they wrote, naturally, Rumsfeld is despised by progressives and always has been. But the intensity of the emotion surrounding his demise may make people forget that at one time he was an almost universally respected and admired leader who simply stayed too long. <laughs> Rumsfeld's second tour as Secretary of State started out, predictably enough, he sought to fight Pentagon waste and inefficiency and promote a strategic vision termed defense transformation, making the military more networked, adaptable, expeditionary, and more lethal. So, yeah, I don't know why progressives don't like this guy. Like, just it's a know, give him a break. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Onion you know. had the best ha- headlines, as usual. What was theirs? Um, so they had one. It said, Donald Rumsfeld survived by one million fewer Iraqis. <laughs> and uh, what was the other one? Oh, Weapon of Mass Destruction found dead at 88. Yes, that was the best <laughs> one. <laughs> that was fucking perfect. Um, oh, and I love Teen Vogue's headline. Um, they just tweeted out the word "buy" and then a hand wave emoji, and then their headline was "Donald Rumsfeld accused war criminal dead at 88." <laughs> um, but then, uh, apparently, they deleted the tweet with the uh, <coughs> the hand wave emoji, <coughs> which is unfortunate because usually, you know, everyone their sponsors s- probably weren't happy. Yeah, I mean they've they've been decent for a teen fashion magazine i guess yeah uh as as far as their political stuff but yeah i I mean i'm not surprised though it it's just like you know and they did the same thing when howard zinn died you know they had um npr did like a whole day of interviewing right-wingers about how terrible howard zinn was (laughs) right and it's just it's like of course they're gonna lionize somebody like donald rumsfeld Right. They have to they have to make sure that, you know, like, oh, you know, the war didn't go the way we hoped it would, the way he said it would. But we still have to respect him and respect the war because, you know, they only had the most noble of intentions. Right. You know, even though it was that General Clark, I think it was the guy who ran for president, said that, you know, they they told him basically the minute 9-11 happened that we were going to go invade Iraq, too. Right, and he was just mm-hmm. like, w- 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 "But why? Are they connected to Al Qaeda?" And his handlers were like, "No, we don't know why. Nobody knows why. It's just going to happen, basically." And after that, it's going to be Libya and Syria, and you know, of course. Yeah, they had a whole list know. already ready, and guess what? Right. That's what's been happening. Right, and and Obama like kept checking off those countries <laughs> that they, you know, but of course, then it's not a war. Um, I, I know you're not fond of Jimmy Dore, and, and God, he drives me crazy sometimes, but he had a clip um, from back when we first started uh, bombing Syria in 2013, 2014, mm-hmm. and every single person on this panel of, like, five people was pro-bombing Syria, except Jimmy Dore, right? And it's just, it, and he's, he's like, everyone, like, Jank Unger and, like, John Iderola and all those fuckers were all like, well, we have to bomb something. We can't just be the biggest superpower and not bomb somebody. Like, yeah. that's literally their fucking, their, their argument that, you know, anyone we can get away with bombing, we should probably should bomb them just so it sends a message. And Dora was like, well, what, what, what's your message? 
what, what is the message? What are you trying <laughs> to tell people? That you're going to kill people and to tell them killing's wrong? Um, so I know that people find him kind of insufferable now, and I, I can only watch like one or two clips of him a month before I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it grates on my nerves even when I agree with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the fucking thinking. Uh, you know, we, we, we're pulling out of, uh, or we, you know, supposedly pulled out of, out of uh, Afghanistan or we left the Bagram airfield uh, in, in total disarray. Uh, <laughs> this was um, a bit more text here to read. So this was the U.S. left Bagram airfield at night, didn't tell the new commander. Uh, and of course, the Onion back in 2011 had a, headline where they said u.s quietly slips out of afghanistan in dead of night <laughs> so literally like 10 years to the month prior the onion fucking predicted this shit um so yeah so let's see here honestly though the u.s pulling out in any which way that they do it is a good thing so they need to get the fuck out of everybody else's country too it should have been it should have been you know they never, never should have been there, there. <laughs> never should have been there never should have been there but it, you know, you you get like these what many have considered to be progressive or left wing YouTubers, whoever the fuck these people are, that just they they're all anti communist for one, right? And if right. they say anything about socialism, it's only like the capitalist Norwegian, uh, Scandinavian socialist countries, the socialist companies, yeah, cu- countries, racist um, and imperialist countries, <laughs> right. Right, and they will completely use the exact same fucking talking points as, you know, the, the neoconservatives. State right? Department, as the yeah. As these NATSEC people, as the State Department, as the CIA does. You know, this, this, this insanity, oh, exit strategy, exit strategy. Um, I'm going to play this clip here, if I can get this up here on my phone. Um so this this is everyone's favorite left wing uh, YouTuber, <laughs> Vash Vash. I don't know what the fuck his name is because I've never Vash, watched him before. Vash, whatever. Vash. <laughs> Clown ass. Yeah, Vash Vash the Vash. And I never knew who he was. I never watched him. I just only saw people saying like, "What a fucking terrible person he is." And I'm like, "Okay, so he's one of these right wing guys." Like, uh, uh, help me out. Name a right wing uh, YouTuber, Cernovich. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or uh, what's that other guy? Dave Rubin. Um, yeah. Crawford. Honestly, yeah, like, their so talking I, points I, are very similar. So I thought yeah. he was one of those guys, and people were like, no, 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 this guy Vosh is is a left wing guy. <laughs> and just it, tell me if this sounds like somebody who's on the left here. I mean, hit play. If we pulled out. If we allowed these countries to destabilize, you know what happened within ten years? Guaranteed. You know what happened within ten years? I bet you more than anything. America pulls out with no exit strategy, no long-term plan for supporting these countries. These countries fail, and they turn into, I mean, we're talking Cambodia level. We're talking fields of corpses. China will come in with boots on the ground and fix their problems, and they'll be Chinese vassal states for the next century. (laughs) His fucking brain is a vassal state. (laughs) (laughs) To the U.S., he's a mess. Is, like, it, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it, the, it, and this is this is like, he he says, oh, the Khmer Rouge killing fields. Like, oh, we pulled out of Vietnam, and then you know there was 
like yeah that's like, that's why what were they ever you, there though <laughs> like come on right like when you when you violently try to prevent a revolution which is what the you know vietnamese were fighting for was to reunify fighting for their independence they declared their independence in 1945 uh, after World War II, and France said, nope, we're taking your country back. And we were on the side of the fucking French instead of the country who had fought against the imperialist Japanese um, with us just, you know, prior. And, and he's saying that he's gonna, if we leave Afghanistan without an exit strategy, that there's going to be killing fields all over Afghanistan. What, what does he think we've been doing there for 20 years? Uh, longer. Besides... <laughs> <laughs> well, 20 this time, but I mean, they were there before. Uh, right. But it, <laughs> like we've been America, us, we're the ones turning wedding parties into killing fields by bombing them with our fucking drones. And bombing we're schools the and hospitals. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, he he's falling for this fucking myth that so many liberals have fallen for after Obama came in. That oh no wait we actually we can't just end the war because if it if it if we end the war then it looks bad for Obama if anything bad happens afterward and what's what really happens is just you know whoever was there before is going to take over again you know and it'll be the Taliban but like that's who fucking lives there right? right and the people who live there are used to them like they'd rather have that than have the U S bombing them um, and then you have people like uh, oh god who was it. We just talked about her. I can't remember her name now. But just, you know, perpetuating the myth that, like, oh, we're there to save the women from the mean, you know, fundamentalist Muslims. Oh, that was Nato Miki talking about Libya. <laughs> right. She right. And, and it's, it's like every... Because the women. It, right. Because, you know, we treat women so great in this country. Um, and it, we, you know, when, when has the military ever been the, you know, liberator of women or our never. military? Never. Never. Um, so that that clip got shared a lot of uh, th this these right wing talking points that we can't leave. Um, and he's talking about an exit strategy and, and he just got whoever posted it. I don't know who posted it, but it just the comments were great. There was so much comedy uh, in there. But one of them was just, you know, this, this exit strategy is a piece of empty rhetoric deployed to justify endless occupation. The reason, you know, is that there is never any feasible strategy actually proposed. Empty words that help you sound smart and pragmatic without having a realistic alternative except endless war. Right? So if, if having an exit strategy is so important, like, why, does no, why do the people that say we need one never come up with one? Right. Well, when they do come up with one, it's always arguing in favor of staying and sending more people. Right. Right. Or just, you know, we'll just, we'll leave a, you know, 16 permanent bases and we got to have make sure our people those bases are you know protected so we got to have a you know battalion for each one it's like what you you're like like when we we just bombed iraq and uh it was a uh, senator shaheen who is like one of the highest recipients of defense contract money um they trotted her out on msnbc and she said well you know we have to protect our people our, our American personnel in Iraq, what are they fucking still doing there? Right. How the country can, does not want them there. They don't want them there. And they told them they told them that. And her response was, well, but we only bomb Iraq once. We bombed Syria twice. So, like, <laughs> they should be fucking happy. Like, we could have bombed you more, but Syria got the worst end of it. So, you know, quit your bitching. Well, you can't talk about that because it makes you an Assadist. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> 
uh, and then yeah, or exactly like the, like the people that are like, well, the the Americans were only in Syria to you know fight alongside the Kurds. Like, well, what, who were the Kurds fighting? Fucking ISIS that America invented, right. basically, and continues uh, by, to yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. So know. yeah, j- just the um, and I and I experienced this with my my own parents. You know, they were they marched in the street against going to war in Iraq. I, I mean, no one really marched in the street against Afghanistan because everyone's just like, okay, well, you know, whatever. Um, but then, yeah, they turned it. They they turned into totally like using the right wing excuses for war that they now were hearing from Rachel Maddow, you know, and from John Brennan, who's a contributor on MSNBC every night. Uh, it's just. It's absolutely disgusting and drives me crazy. But yeah, so so America just uh, left their largest air base in Afghanistan, just just fucking booked it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to read a little bit about that. Uh, this guy they're interviewing, uh, last name is uh, Koistani. I'm not sure what his title is, unfortunately. I missed that part of it. But uh, he said the U.S. left behind 3.5 million items, all itemized by the departed military. Um, they include tens of thousands of bottles of water, energy drinks, and military-ready uh, meals known as MREs. And he, he, he quotes here, um, when you say 3.5 million items, it's every single small item, like every phone, every doorknob, every window, uh, in every barracks, every door, in every barracks. So like they, they itemize every single thing on the entire base, right? Uh, the big ticket items left behind include thousands of civilian vehicles, many of them without keys to start them. Like, why would you do that? Why would you, like, leave vehicles behind and take the keys? Like, just, just to be like, here, you have to scrap this now because you can't drive it. It's your problem. Just ab- Like, just abandoning shit that no one can even use now, right? Um, and let's see. Also, hundreds of armored vehicles. Uh, Kohistani said the U.S. also left behind small weapons and the ammunition for them, but the departing troops took heavy weapons with them. Ammunition, ammunition for weapons not being left behind for the Afghan military was blown up before they left. Uh, Afghan soldiers who wandered Monday throughout the base uh, that had once seen as many as 100,000 U.S. troops were deeply critical of how the U.S. left Bagram leaving in the night without telling the Afghan soldiers tasked with patrolling the perimeter. In one night, they lost all the goodwill of 20 years by leaving the way they did uh, in the night without telling the Afghan soldiers who were there patrolling outside the area. Uh, One Afghan soldier uh, said who asked for his name not to be used. Within 20 minutes of the U.S.'s silent departure on Friday, the electricity was shut down and the base was plunged into total darkness. Um, Let's see... And the sudden darkness was like a signal to looters. Uh, they entered from the north, smashing through the first barrier, ransacking buildings, loading anything that was not nailed down into trucks. I mean, could I, I would fucking do the same thing. I'd be yeah. like, fuck, I'm taking whatever I want. Um, but, you know, j- just the fact that, like, this was supposed to be, like, you know, <laughs> like, they had 20 years to come up with an exit strategy, and, like, literally they just fucking just <laughs> got, got in their cars and drove away. Like, they, it, that's all it took. It could have been that 20 years prior, exactly. right? Um, so, yeah, and, and this is, you know, largest military in the world never has a plan for how to leave. It just leaves all its fucking trash behind. That's America. That's imperialism right there. Yeah. Sure is. <clears throat> 
So, yeah. What else are we going to talk about today? <laughs> um, There's been so many things. It's just hard to nail down. <laughs> well, scrolling up here. So you tweeted out something about a... Uh, now that we're in the run-up to the Olympics here in a couple of weeks, you tweeted out something about uh, a, a world-class athlete back in the day, back in the 1930s, apparently. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering if you want to talk about that a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, uh, hold on. I'm just going to pull up the tweet here so I can actually read it. It was from some, like, Women in History account. Yeah, like so that, that account actually locked down. I do still have the screenshot somewhere, but I can't find it right now. But um, basically, mm. they tweeted out about a woman who was a Nazi collaborator. <laughs> I mean, that's really like the only way to put it. And um, and then a bunch of people kind of jumped to their defense. And this account in particular is just like a terrible like. They're, they're a bunch of turfs. And didn't they, like, just double down on it, basically? Like, they, in, they instead did. of going, oh, I didn't know that. That's, that's fucked up. I should delete that. You know, it, it, instead of trying to, like, rehab this person's image, they totally embraced it. Like, they knew this shit already. Yeah. No, they did. They um, basically started, like, retweeting people that were agreeing with them or disputing the fact that she might have been a Nazi or not or whatever. And then they also were like, oh, well, we didn't say that, you know, we thought she was a hero, but we think that she should have a place in history. And it's like, hmm, okay, well, you're still, you know, elevating, you know, the history of a Nazi. <laughs> like, you can find better heroes, but of course not. Yeah, and this wasn't somebody who was just like, you know, caught up with, the Nazi party in the thirties when they were just, you know, w before they were invading countries and, and committing genocide, because a lot of people, you know, like didn't know that shit yet. Right. Right. But this was, this was very different. This was very different. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about this, this phenomenon of trying to rehab people that aren't just problematic, but are evil <laughs> for whatever Whatever reason here. So the original tweet said, uh, Violet Morris, or, or Viol Violet, I guess yeah, if it's Violet. French, uh, was a world-class athlete in many sports. Uh, she was a lesbian. She had a mastectomy in order to fit into racing cars more easily. That sounds crazy, but, you know, cars were little back then. Uh, she lost her license and her chance at the 1928 Olympics because of her, quote, loose morals. She was killed in 1944 by the French resistance. So, yeah, I, people pointed out, like, yeah, I would say being a Nazi is pretty much loose morals. <laughs> but, of course, uh, they, they didn't mean it that way in the tweet. Um, and somebody responded, uh, you know, yeah, white feminism be like the girl boss was an, was an almost Olympian but was unfortunately killed for being a Nazi. And there was a... Uh, there was that that Star Wars meme where it's the Anakin's talking to the uh, the princess and he says something and she responds, you, "You mean this, right?" And then he doesn't respond and she says, "Oh, you mean this, right?" And it was basically, um, oh, where to go here? Yeah. So Violet Morris was killed by the French Resistance. She replies, "You mean in the French Resistance, right?" 
no reply, and then repeats it again. You mean in the French Resistance, right? And that, I, I thought the same things. I didn't know who this was. You know, I never heard of this person before. And I'm just like, wait, so they're saying it's a shame she was killed by the French Resistance. That would mean that she was a fucking Nazi collaborator. Exactly. And so I started reading all these articles that were all doing the same heavy lifting. And even implying that, you know, it, it, it probably wasn't true, and it was just, you know, defamation, because French people didn't like lesbians. Like, really? I'm pretty sure they had plenty. Um, so this is from an all, uh, article on allthingsinteresting.com. It um, goes here. Just how deeply, if at all, Violet Morris was entrenched in Nazism remains debated. Had this symbol for... for progressive sexuality truly bonded with evil or was it merely convenient for a society that couldn't understand or respect her to brand her as such uh yeah so they th- there was a bunch of articles that all did the same thing saying well it's not knowable we couldn't possibly know uh and, and if we you know there would be way more evidence if that was true right and and they quote her own biographer as as a source for why it's probably not true which uh, People who are like the the set biographer of someone tend not to be the most reliable narrators. Um, So I was just reading here a little bit about uh, the in the end of her uh, career. So on April 26, 1944, this is well into the war, right? Um, The 51 year old Morris was driving a country road through Normandy with two young children. All of a sudden, the engine mysteriously came to a sputtering stop. Resistance fighters emerged from some nearby bushes. Morris and everyone else in the vehicle allegedly died in a sudden spray of gunfire. Uh, gunfire. <coughs> Pardon me. And it goes on here. No one came to claim Morris's body after several months. She was buried in an unmarked communal grave reserved for the homeless. Uh, it was certainly a disappointing ending for a feminist icon who had 200 athletic titles to her name. It is too bad that Nazi ties, to whatever degree they existed, have sullied her legacy. Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, no, it's it's not a shame that her legacy was sullied. It's a shame that she was a fucking Nazi and she tortured people. Right. Because you have a thread here uh, from somebody who actually does know a little bit about the history of what she did as right. a collaborator. Uh, and she w- she was an interrogator and a torturer. And I was, I was hoping you could read from that thread a little bit. Sure. She wrote, no, I'm sorry. I don't care if you are a history buff. You do not, under any circumstances, get to make pronouncements about Nazi collaborators based off of a Wikipedia article and girl boss vibes. (laughs) Here are some excerpts from Kelly Riccardi Colvin's Gender and French Identity. And um, she, I mean, it's a pretty long thread, but uh, she basically goes on to, like, talk about the war and also a little bit about... um, a Violet's, I guess, um, like basically how she was connected to um, Vichy France and also um, <clears throat> and also the Nazis. Uh, yeah, they said she was a chief woman interrogator for the Gestapo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and she had a. They had a nickname. She was called the hyena of the Gestapo. She had a few and of them actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, in that thread, there's two different eyewitness accounts of people who witnessed her torturing people right so that's right. not just oh it's it's unknowable to what degree did she was she involved we'll never know like no this this fucking it is known because people were witnesses people were tortured by her and lived to talk about it right so 
Yeah, just absolutely disgusting that, you know, like we like we don't have enough athletes that we can, you know, look to for inspiration. We've got to go to Nazi athletes to (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck? Well, Dr. Eleanor, who um, actually wrote this thread, um, her at is going medieval on Twitter. She wrote, if you are such a history person, you will learn to read books and research things before you try to rehabilitate people because you conflate someone's sexuality with a theoretical inherent goodness. That's a modern liberal nonsense, and you need to interrogate yourself about it. More to the point, it's for this reason that what women's history account did was wrong. Oh, they didn't mean to celebrate her? Well, this entire hell site is writing threads recusing her of collaboration with Nazis now. So where are you with that? Doing anything? It's true. Yeah. Very true. So, and speaking of other uh, women athletes who should be admired um, and respected, who aren't being admired and respected, at least not by the organizations uh, for whom they are essentially working for, we wanted to talk a, uh, a bit today about, I mean, how would you even characterize what we've seen going on with um, I mean, it feels like like an all-out war on black women athletes. Yeah, especially so basically it's just right like now. a replication of like the same like Western exceptionalism and white supremacy and also, you know, them trying to just, I guess, replicate that in, in the Olympics. So, I mean, most of the people that are being penalized are black women and as they usually are. And this sort of, I mean, we first kind of started to see this, at least recently, um, with Simone Biles. Right. And it was, I, I had heard that, like, somebody said, oh, they, they banned the moves she was doing because no one else could do them. Right. And I was like, I don't know if that's really true, so I wanted to learn about it, right? And they didn't, they didn't ban them, but they basically changed the rules of how what she was doing would be scored so that they'd be less significant moves because it wasn't fair that no one else could do them. No one else could pull these moves off. And their reasoning was also just completely bullshit. Um, I know a bunch of sports writers said this. They said that, you know, they didn't want to encourage other, you know, young women gymnasts to try to attempt these things because it was so dangerous Right. Like they're, they're literally being told they should be more creative and more inventive with their choreography and like what they're attempting. But then they don't want anyone else to, to attempt what she's doing. Like, what, really? <laughs> that, that's completely counterintuitive. Right. So, you know, they basically, you know, nerfed her scoring so that she wouldn't be, you know, overwhelmingly better than everybody else. And, you know, but then at the same time, they want to hold her up and celebrate her as being. You know the best in the world, the best in history, at, at, and you know, so it, it just it feels very unfair, right? You know, especially in gymnastics, where you're lucky to have a four-year career, let alone go to the Olympics twice. It's almost unheard of, right? But because the time you're 25, you can't really compete with somebody who's 19. It's just it's that short of a window of time. Um, and she's just that good that she can do it, and they're really trying to like you know, dull her performances and kind of bring her down a notch. That's really yeah. what it feels like. It does feel that way. Um, and then we had uh, the, the next sort of big one we heard about was this woman, Shikaria uh, Ch- um, Richardson. Yeah. Is that her? Um, and so she's just got yanked out of the Olympics. Like she'd already qualified, 
to be on the Olympic team. Um, I don't I don't know exactly what event she does. I know it's track. It's not gymnasts, uh, gymnastics. And the so the, the USADA, it's the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. Like I don't even know what authority they have. Like who the fuck are they? Right. Right. I have no idea. Uh, but apparently, there's some agency that can decide if you you d- can disqualify you from going to Olympics. Um, they said Richardson's suspension was reduced from for smoking weed. She got fucking popped for smoking pot, right after her mother died and she was trying to cope. Right. She was uh, told that her mother died while she was in an interview. Oh my god. Yeah. Like who who did that? Who fucking does? Who does that? Like who? Do you know who it was that she was being interviewed by? The, who? I who have no to- idea. I didn't actually look further into it, but yeah, I mean that's exactly what I read multiple times. Oh my god, I would have fucking got up and walked out of the interview. Right, like, and they're saying you. that it's a performance-enhancing drug, and it's like, it, or it's part of like you know, I guess similar penalties if she were to take them, but. She I've didn't. never I've felt never, the urge exactly. to run at all when I was high. Exactly. <laughs> like, can you even move off your couch? It takes a lot of effort. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I got to go all the way to the fucking fridge to get something to eat. Fuck that. And you're right? telling me she's one of the fastest runners in the world and pot helped her do that? No. Uh, and it was in Oregon where it's fucking legal. It's right. like 18 states. It's totally legal now. Um, 44% of the U.S. population. And... It's this is you know so so the USADA said they reduced her suspension from three months down to one month because quote her use of cannabis occurred out of competition and was unrelated to sport performance which like they're right there they're admitting it didn't do anything right, right? so what the fuck uh, and then they said they're also reducing her sentence. Um, because she successfully completed a counseling program regarding her use of cannabis. Like, what? She, she had to, they wanted her to take counseling about her, her fucking dope addiction. Like, what? That's not a thing. That's not a fucking thing. You can't get, you're not addicted to marijuana. That just doesn't exist. So again, they're just, they're trying to shame her. They're trying to shame her and say, well, you did a naughty thing. You have to go to counseling now for it and, you know, figure out, you know, get, get into you know, marijuana rehab, just like what, what fucking, what fucking year is it? <laughs> it, it, it really so, is ridiculous. Um, and you had, you sent me a link to another, um, case of bullshit. There were several. Yes. Um, so one of them was about the swimming caps, not being the official caps. Um, and they, I guess had looked into it and voted to, ban it so that way that uh swimmers with natural hair um wouldn't have caps that would fit them and the reason that they used was because it does it's not the shape of the natural head so that's uh, i mean are all swimmers bald i mean that's what i'm trying to figure out and how would it help them to have more hair It, it doesn't right right cause, i mean if you had a cap that actually you know could fit over much thicker more voluminous black hair that it seems like, if anything, that would be less aerodynamic in the water, right? So they're trying to say that, like, if they want to do that, that they're not allowed to, because it would. I don't even understand what the fuck. Yeah, the, it's basically the thing is. just shaming people about their hair. That's really it, it, all exactly. it comes out to is policing that. And that's been like what, the the kid who was in wrestling yeah, and had like. 
Yeah, the fucking the the referee, the wrestling match made the black kid cut his hair, or else he get disqualified. And I, I think that that fucking guy got in trouble for doing that shit, but rare case of it. Um, yeah, so there, there, there was uh, another one. Um, let's see, where is... I got a lot of notes, so I'm kind of st- <laughs> struggling right. here. Yeah, it's a team in um, Africa. I want to say that it yeah. was... They were disqualified. Okay, I got it right here. Okay. So it was no, I don't have it. I have another one, a different one. <laughs> There's so many. Um, yeah, I don't know what country it was, but it was the entire uh, the four entire by four hundred team was disqualified, not because of something they did, but because of something that the whatever the qualifying committee was, they didn't put cones out in the right it was spot. Nigeria's Nigeria's four by four hundred team. Yeah. So rather than have them requalify, they're just kicking them off the team basically over something that wasn't even their own quote unquote mistake. Right. And, right. and the, the, the committee that did the qualifications said like, well, we're a, we're affiliated with the world athletic association. So like if anything, blame us, you don't, don't take it out on the athletes and they're still taking it out on the athletes. So uh, I wanted to talk about uh, Gwen Berry. Are you familiar with her? Did you have read about her at all? A little bit, but yeah, I'm not really too familiar with the story. So she's not in trouble yet, but what's what's that fucking Congress guy who's got the eye patch? That little fucker. Oh my gosh. Um, Crenshaw. Yeah, Crenshaw. <laughs> Crenshaw. Yeah, and he's he's such Dan, a piece of yeah. shit. So Dan Crenshaw and Ted Cruz were tweeting about a woman named Gwen Berry. Uh, she's a U.S. Olympic hammer thrower um, who stood on a medal stand wearing bright blue lipstick and gold medal around her neck uh, at the end of the national or, or at the end of this uh, this uh, award ceremony. They were playing the national anthem, which they don't normally do because why would you if you're just in your own country? Um, and she bowed her head and raised a fist, issuing a silent protest, motivated by a personal journey and belief that America, quote, America can do better. Uh, Barry invoked images of the iconic 1968 Olympic protest by Tommy Smith and John Carlos, um, to which she said, athletes are humans just because we decide to dedicate our lives to sports doesn't mean we don't have an opinion about world issues. So, of course, fucking Ted Cruz and Dan Cranshaw lost their minds and are calling for her to be removed from the Olympic team because how dare she, you know, not face the flag during the special flag song. Um, <laughs> so, so basically the, the, um, like the U S Olympic committee has said, like, you can do whatever you want as far as protesting. Cause fine. Like they, they couldn't, you know, tell black people that they don't have grievances anymore the way they used to. So they're just, they're just kind of like, all right, like, well, you can do whatever you want. But the, International Olympic Committee, the IOC, has has vehemently said like you cannot do any political speech whatsoever, and you can't have any garment on you at any time during the Olympics that says Black Lives Matter. They specifically singled that that phrase, right. and y- if you violate that, you could be stripped of your medal if you've won. Like they'll they'll fucking do that shit. So she basically got interviewed, and they said, "So you're gonna you're gonna do some you're gonna do some protesting at the Olympics?" She's like, "I haven't decided yet, but I'll do whatever's in my heart." Yeah. So, fucking good for her. 
Uh, and this was probably the most crazy one I read. This is like I, I've never really weighed in on um, you know the world of of people who are transgender getting into sports and all of the different takes on that because I I don't feel qualified to talk about it. I I understand different points of view on it, but I read about something else referring to um, there was this was two. 18-year-old Nambian sprinters. These were not trans women, just cis women, right? Right. That had just unusually high levels of testosterone who were disqualified purely for that. Right. Naturally. (laughs) Naturally occurring testosterone, right. And so I just wanted to read this. This is insane. So Christine uh, Mboma and Beatrice uh, Masalingi became the latest black women athletes ruled ineligible to compete in a race at the Tokyo Olympics due to naturally high testosterone levels. The 18-year-old Nambian sprinters were tested during a medical assessment, and their levels exceeded the limit by the World Athletics Policy on Athletes with Differences of Sex Development, or according to the Nambian National Olympic Committee and Commonwealth Games Association. The global governing body requires that female athletes' blood testosterone levels be under 5 nanomoles per liter to compete in select women's events, including the 400-meter relay. The committee said that neither of the athletes, nor their families, coaches, or the Nambian National Olympic Committee were aware of their condition condition prior to testing. As though, like, just the normal chemicals in your body is a condition now. Just disgusting. Um... But then it, it, this continues here. So how much benefit testosterone gives female athletes is difficult to define as women cannot convert testosterone into its more potent form and do not possess the same number of testosterone receptors to carry out its actions as men. So th- th- this article basically just says, like, we, we don't even know if there's any advantage for women having more testosterone in sports. Right. We just, really, we just think. Yeah, just policing uh, women's bodies, especially black women again. Yeah, it, like you're too good at it. Your your natural body is too good, and it wouldn't be fair to other people because you're just like naturally physically gifted, right? You know, and and not to say that every single black person is, you know, <laughs> better at sports because that falls into a whole another problematic trope. But it, like, shouldn't your physical abilities and the the naturally occurring chemicals in your body shouldn't that like how is it like do you do they test men for having too much t- testosterone? No. Like, oh, that, that big muscular guy, he's got too much testosterone. He can't be allowed to compete. We don't do that. We don't do that shit to, to male athletes. No, That's fucking crazy. I don't know exactly what condition it is that Michael Phelps has, but he had a physical advantage um, and uh, naturally occurring. And he was not yeah. penalized for it. Also, it wasn't penalized was for smoking pot for either. <laughs> yeah. He was celebrated. Yeah, also, so. also not penalized for smoking the weed. So people were like, why isn't he coming out in defense of uh, black women smoking pot in sports? Um, so, yeah, like th- just basically the, the notion that, that like testosterone may not even be an advantage for women the way it is for men and, and still women, black women athletes be penalized for it. Just crazy. Um, so, yeah, I just way, way too many instances. This, this is not, you know, every time I read about an, an athlete, getting yanked out of the games for some bullshit and turns out every single time it's a black woman. It's, yeah. it's just like that. It, it, it's, it's a fucking pattern. It's a fucking pattern. And I'm sure each instance, 
you know, whoever the deciding person was was like, oh, I'm not racist. This is, this is I'm just following the rules, right? And it, but of course, we know that inherent bias applied over institutions over time is how you get institutionalized racism. Exactly. <sighs> well, there was one other person I wanted to talk about, and I don't know, you know, it's, it, it's relevant because... I mean, everything in history is relevant, but uh, in doing research, I was reading about, um, oh gosh, what was her name? Rose Robinson um, was, a, was an athlete, and she was the, the first known black woman athlete in America to refuse to rise for the national anthem. And this was all the way back in 1950, 1953, I believe? No, even before that, let's see. All right, well, I'll just I'll read, read a little bit here. So 60 years ago, she refused to stand for the anthem. That's the title of the article. Uh, subtitle here, before Colin Kaepernick kneeled, high jumper Rose Robinson, Rose Robinson uh, defied tradition at the Pan American Games. Her resistance and her legacy didn't start nor end there. Uh, Robinson moved to Cleveland to work in a community center. She started to get heavily involved with the local chapter of the Congress of Racial Equity, CORE, good acronym. Uh, by 1952, she was a leader within the small chapter and led a direct action protest at a segregated skating rink. So basically, she would do what they, what they called uh, skate-ins, and where she would just go in there and start skating amongst the white people, and they attacked her. On numerous occasions, um, basically, you know, on multiple occasions, she used her skating skills to forcibly integrate the popular skating rink. In that rink, or in the rink, Robinson drew the bulk of the attention and animosity of the white patrons and eventually even sustained a broken arm from this mob basically attacking her. So, uh, yeah, so when she started out, uh, or when she darted out around white skaters while attempting to desegregate Skateland, which apparently was the name of this place. She demonstrated her athletic skill in the face of uh, an aggressive white mob determined to trip her. In 1958, Robinson won the high jump at the AAU National Chan Championship and was named to the National Women's Track and Field Team. This disproportionately black team was scheduled to go to Russia to compete in a State Department track meet aimed at using black athletic labor to advance Cold War policy abroad. Upon earning the place on the team, so she, she worked to get on the team, and then after she's on the team, she refuses to go. So she said, she immediately told reporters she was not going to Russia. Quote, I don't want to be used as a political pawn. So she wasn't, it wasn't that she had a problem with Russia, it was the opposite. She basically knew that, you know, America was racist and was trying to use black athletes to, like, shed their reputation as a segregated Jim Crow country. <clears throat> so Robinson's refusal to promote American foreign policy abroad is notable because it came at a time in which the U.S. government was invested in using black athletes, musicians, dancers, uh, or, and dancers in an attempt to shield the country from gl uh, global critiques of Jim Crow practices. <clears throat> so I'll leave it there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Um... Yeah, so that was when I when I first read that I was like, oh, she refused to go because she had a problem with with communism, and then no, it was great. It was because it was <laughs> she had a problem with U.S. propaganda. But 
Um, and then because she she refused to go do PR for the United States, um, they threw her in jail for tax evasion over three hundred dollars. So uh, of course they had to punish her for that. Right. Got to always have to send a message. Let people know that you know they're not going to get away with that. <coughs> Losing my voice again. Crack open a drink here. So. So yeah. What else should we talk about? (laughs) (laughs) What else has been on your radar this week? Well, the other thing that is going to be interesting is, I guess, what's happening in Brazil. Like the CIA director was just down there meeting with Bolsonaro, who had mentioned months ago or maybe even a year ago that he wasn't sure if he was going to run for re-election, you know, based on, you know, the bad PR he was getting because of COVID. And, uh, and I guess now he's threatening to um, basically hold on to power if there's any kind of, um, like, fraud. He's saying voter fraud. And uh, they want to change the entire system a year before the election. He was talking about, like, paper ballots and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Like, how often does the director of the U.S. CIA go to other countries to meet with presidents? Like... He goes, well, Doesn't I mean, seem they go like down to Brazil a, a lot, or, they c- or the leaders come here. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. So, it, I mean, it sounds to me like we CIA really wants to keep Bolsonaro around and wants to make sure he knows how to assure victory uh, and how to hold on to power, right. <laughs> uh, especially if Lula runs again. And he is. He's already announced that he's going to, and all the polls Did have really? him ahead of pretty much everybody else, Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, well, that that I mean, that just I mean, anytime the CIA director goes anywhere in person, like that's that's like sending an emissary, right? Like that, they could just you could just call him on the phone, right? So I don't know. It just like it feels wasn't very a coincidence. Blatant. Yeah, <laughs> that's for yeah. Sure. It feels feels very fucking blatant. Um, oh gosh, what else did I have here? Oh, Pompeo, God. Fucking my former boss, he had an interview. He tweeted out his interview because that's what you do when you're Mike Pompeo is you, you have to tweet yourself out because no one tweets for you. Um, in which he said, if we teach that the founding fathers of the United States of America were somehow flawed and corrupt or were racist, that's really dangerous. It strikes the very foundation of our country. Uh, uh, like, uh, yeah, and that's a good thing. That's a fucking good thing. <laughs> yeah, he went on. Like, yeah, he went on Fox News to say that um, you know it's it's dangerous to teach like all of these things that actually really happen because one, it makes white people uncomfortable, and also like people will start to question everything else that they've been taught. Which is like, isn't that what you want in an enlightened country? Is to know the history from whence you came. Yeah. Like, uh, how can you? <laughs> like, like, regardless of your political persuasion, wouldn't you want people at least to know the history of how you got to where you are today? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, even if you want to still love America, like, when did we start pretending slavery didn't happen? Right. When the fuck did that happen? So, like, his exact tweet said, critical race theory attacks the central understandings that we have shared together for 245 years. It's infuriating to see the largest teachers union embrace and promote these divisive teachings. Um, 
what? <laughs> it's bad to teach actual history. Like, I'm sorry that this makes you really uncomfortable, but this country for 245 years um, has been a white supremacist, <coughs> genocidal, and classist nation. <laughs> like, well, and, and imperialist he's, he's really, and colonialist. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, but he, he's admitting that if this is divisive, he's admitting on what side of the divide he's on. Exactly. And he's also is, admitting that we've never taught this before. That's like the biggest revelation here is that he's admitting that this has never been taught. And there's a reason why everybody in this country is so fucking ignorant is because they've never been taught the truth. Right. Well, and I, I don't I still don't even understand what um, what part of teaching history qualifies as, as specifically critical race theory to them because it's it's like all of it. there's all of it all, all of it all of it it's anything that's critical of america anything that has a theory involved because that involves thinking they don't like that uh and of course race they you know hate black people but also want to pretend like they're not racist at the same time like right. that's got to be the most infuriating thing that like they can't openly show how much they you know loved Donald Trump for the one thing that he was the best at, which was being a fucking white supremacist. Like they couldn't (laughs) like you. That's the reason why you love him. But then you can't openly celebrate that. You have to come up with all these code words uh, and then say that, oh, it's a critical race theory. It's it's divisive. That's the problem with it. Not that it's correct, but it's divisive. So and they can't really say why it's divisive because then they'll have to admit, oh, well, you know, I don't want to teach about the indigenous genocide and the broken treaties. I don't want to teach about the missionaries going and destroying the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and they won't. Right. Their history well, books like teach that like slavery didn't really happen. It was people were basically like low paid workers, kind of like internships. <laughs> Right, right. Or or that you could eventually work your way out of slavery, which right. you could if you were white, because there were some white slaves, but usually that was because they were in debt. Right. It right. it wasn't a thing that that people who were kidnapped from Africa got to work their way out of. And their children were born into it and they weren't working their way out of that either. Right. And usually they would, you know, break up the families because they didn't want them to be together. So, you know, but that's that's like you can go watch a movie about it. Right. So somehow we, we we've known about it enough that it's part of our our media culture and has been for forever, as long as I've been alive. But suddenly it's like, no, we can't teach that. Can't teach that anymore. Um, well, that's the thing. It's part so of entertainment. So they can deny that it's real. They can just say that it's, you know, a production of Hollywood. And also oh, right, it's not something Hollywood. that you're yeah. learning. It's something that you have to seek out on your own. Kind of like what we did, you know, to learn all of these things about our own, co- like our own history. <coughs> right. Like Tulsa, well, it, bombings, you know. all of that. You never learn that. Oh, I, yeah, it was amazing. When, when HBO's uh, Watchmen series came out and the very opening scene is the, the Tulsa race massacre. Right. Like I immediately knew what it was before they even put the, the words up on the screen. And I was like, holy shit, they're actually like dramatizing this, you know, the, one of the biggest massacres of black people, you know, in a single day in our in our country's history, and I got on t- I got on Twitter and everyone's tweeting like I'd never heard of this. I thought that this was 
I didn't. I never heard of this before. I would say like, like probably like one in fifty people knew. Like on Facebook, everybody was like, "Oh, you know, why do they have to bring race into everything?" And it's like, dude, this actually happened. Like it's a historical fact. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? They, they killed three hundred people and threw them in mass graves, and they even. I don't know if you, if you watched the, the, the show or had seen the segment that, that they put in there. Um, they even included something that many historians had, white historians had, had said didn't happen, which was that they were dropping dynamite from airplanes right. onto black-owned businesses and homes, and they, and they included that in, in the show. Um, and they even, I mean, the, like they, they tried to erase that history at the time it happened. Like, no newspaper was allowed to print about, you know, could you imagine 300 people are massacred and, like, the local papers are not allowed to print about it? The local papers (laughs) wrote about uh, white people that were injured and cops that were attacked. Right. Yeah. How how (laughs) dare people try to protect their their homes from being burnt? Um, And then the city wouldn't even formally recognize that it happened until, like, the I think, like, the 1990s. They finally recognized that it happened and issued like a formal apology. Like it, it <laughs> took seventy years to acknowledge the greatest massacre um, in in a city in U.S. history. Just unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I I mean, I guess that that's how that's how it works with white supremacies. You have to make sure you're always stronger, but also pretend that you're the victim. Right. Uh, and, and any record of you doing awful things has to be erased, even though you secretly want to celebrate it. Right. Well, we see that also with like all the riots, uh, you know, people act like everything was unprovoked. Of course, you know, they didn't let it get in their way when they dropped bombs in Philadelphia. Like. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, well, it, it, every every time anything goes down in Chicago, you'll see the same. You know, first name, barcode, Twitter accounts, comment on every fucking news story referring to black people as animals. Yeah. Right. Always. Referring to them as, as wildling or wilding, you know, like if, if people break into a store, they're wilding like fucking white people stole a whole fucking continent. And you don't you don't call that wilding. Right. right. But if somebody steals a fucking Gucci purse, that's, you know, just unbelievable. But. <sighs> anything else on the uh, on the menu? Anything else funny happened? <laughs> funny? Not really. <laughs> oh, Biden Biden delivered a tribute to President Juan Guaido. Oh God! <laughs> oh my God! The dude who's not oh the president of anything and also isn't even in office. <laughs> Who didn't even run for office? No, he didn't even fucking run for. He just did a failed coup on Twitter. Where he, oh they, God, remember, you so remember, funny. remember when they claimed they they had taken the airport, and then yep. somebody was like, "The airport's right there, and you're nowhere near." What are you talking about? Yeah, they were like, "There's like four people here, and they're mostly press." <laughs> right, and you're on the outside of the fence of the airport, so I don't think you've taken anything. Um, yeah, I that that cracked me up. Oh, and then then t- today, uh, fucking, um, what Biden's White House press. Correspondent woman, uh, press secretary Jen Pasaki. Oh God! I don't know how to say her name. I never. I refuse to learn how to say her name right. Redheaded Huckabee. Redheaded Huckabee. <laughs> <laughs> the ginger. I hadn't Huckabee. heard that. That's perfect now. The ginger Huckabee. You know, just giving gingers a bad name. I, I swear. 
He's my least favorite one. And I gave her a chance, too. Because at first, she kind of, like, told the truth a little bit too often, you know, and seemed like she was a little uncomfortable lying. And now she's a total pro at lying now. Totally a pro at lying. And she didn't really know what to say about Haiti, you know, and she kind of stumbled over her words. But she said, um, the message to the people of Haiti is that this is a tragic tragedy. Like, what? <laughs> a tragic tragedy. A, a tragedy that was tragic. Like, could you just... Can so you think is of her any speech. other words? Uh, I, I remember. You remember when, um, after nine eleven, how they were taking like the wreckage of the World Trade Center and trying to like erect, uh, like chunks of the building in, in like public parks all over the country. So yeah. we have like a like each town would have its Memorials, own little yeah. piece of rubble, right? And they did that shit in the town I grew up in, and. Uh, like they, it was just like a like an I beam that was bent, and they they sunk it into concrete and stuck it there with a plaque on it, and they the the plaque said um, Remembrance Memorial. It's <laughs> <just> like what? <laughs> Remembrance Memorial. Oh, it's the Memorial of Remembrance. Like what the? F- what think of better fucking words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the idiot that probably wanted us to go, you know, catch fucking. Uh, bin Laden, who is the leader of Iraq, right? <coughs> but then, it, like, people started leaving, like, a peace sign wreaths on it, and people got mad about that because they wanted the war, and so, like, people started, you know, showing up to try to beat up hippies who were trying to, like, protest the war. It became a whole fucking thing. So, yeah, just just stupid thing. Like, why why do we need a chunk of rubble from, you know, what clearly was a tragedy, uh, why do we need to have that in our backyard? That didn't happen here, but right? Like, what? What's the point of that? Other than just to drum up support for a fucking piece of shit war? Yeah, more jingoism. That's really all it is. Yeah. Oh, fingers crossed for fucking Kissinger. God. That would be a great year if we got Rumsfeld and Kissinger in the same year. It would be, you know, the internet's going to break. It's going to break in fucking half. I swear it's going to be like we're going to get a twofer or a threefer where just random, you know, the stars align, plants align thing. where like Kissinger will die and then two other terrible people die at the exact same time. Like Kissinger really was the head vampire. And like once he's dead, like the, the next ring of fucking vampires below him just instantly die at the same time too that'd be great <laughs> so, um oh and fucking megan mccain's leaving the view did you see that oh i did see that <laughs> oh but i i read some dirt uh about it because she she said it was you know because she was uh just just fed up with everything and, and that it wasn't true at all it was everyone else on the show as insufferable as they are, Whoopi Goldberg, Anna Navarro, all these just terrible neoliberals, they all together decided that they were going to quit the show collectively if the, if Meghan McCain didn't get fired. <laughs> so, of Which course, she like, has to save her ass and act like it was her idea. Of course. Of course. And I'm sure they let her do that just to like get rid of her. But just, just imagine how un-fucking-sufferable in, in you have to be for Anna Navarro and Whoopi Goldberg to not be able to put up with your shit anymore. Yeah, Miss Contra doesn't <laughs> like you. Like, are you for real? Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> who has defended, like, serial rapists and racists? Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. Gotta be a real fucking yeah. terror. Well, they had a... Um, 
I don't know if it was on The View or some other show, but they had Megan McCain had uh, Eve Fartlow on. Oh, I heard. I think it was on The View. Yeah, it was on The View. Well, they, they, I just saw like a side by side. I couldn't watch it because I can't stand to listen to either one of them. Yeah, I don't watch. But just, show. just like they're so. Somebody commented like, the the those those two women's hair has been like they're. The, the victim of an atrocity <laughs> just like <laughs> like like mocking their hairstyles not mocking their you know way they look or anything but um yeah and and they, like the cameraman couldn't frame e fartlow properly because it's, it's just like like half of the screen is like the wall behind her head you know or, or she didn't frame herself it was on her laptop or whatever but basically was just going on there saying you know how hard and she struggled and how many people people have uh you know made fun of her mocked her on Twitter because she's a proud Zionist and you know and, and like her tweets are like I'm a proud Ziosexual so it's like it doesn't even mean anything it's just a fucking word that she tosses around uh, to basically mock she's just antagonizing the, people at this point and then acting like she's a fucking victim exactly exactly which is also just like kind of what Zionism is right. is exactly telling telling the world that you're superior you're God's chosen people uh, and that you have the right to the, to other people's homes uh, and land, and God, your God tells you have that right. But also at the same time, you're you're completely defenseless from, you know, just thousands of rockets raining down on you all the time, and you need you know the the protection of America. Otherwise, you perish without you know whatever. It's just complete narcissistic, self entitled, supremacist ideology. Right. Did you see that Megan McCain, like, right before she actually announced that she was leaving The View, she had already changed her bio, and she put Zionist in there. (laughs) (laughs) That is the funniest fucking, like, because Zionist is supposed to sound like lioness, right? Yeah. That's the thinking, apparently. Um yeah, I'm so I'm so glad her daddy's dead. I hope she cries every fucking night because her daddy's <laughs> burning in hell. Um, oh god, somebody had a great. Uh, so so I've gotten in trouble on Facebook so many times recently for, um, like making like editing famous people's tweets. There was one where I did the one of, um, oh, that fucking I can't I can never think of her name. Um, the the woman that Biden wanted for the office of the budget or whatever that didn't get confirmed because she had because of her mean tweets. Oh, uh Nira? Nira, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I I had that the I did that fake tweet where I had Nira Tandon saying, you know, you you may have criticisms of Hitler, but at least he fought against communism. And people thought it was fucking real, and it went viral. <laughs> and like Snopes posted a fucking fact-checking thing about it, saying that it wasn't real. <laughs> it, it went that far. <laughs> um, but I didn't do this one. But somebody had a great Donald Rumsfeld tweet, uh, dated um, dated June thirtieth, two thousand one. Uh, Donald Rumsfeld, ah shit, it's so hot down here. Fuck. <laughs> Uh, and then there was another. There was another one. I don't know whose tweet this was, but I posted a screenshot of it, <clears throat> and it was it was like three, I guess, like WWE or WWF wrestlers, and they're like looking down from the scaffolding, down at like these flames rising up, and they they're just like the they look like an '80s hair metal band, you know, just like 
shiny muscles and long blonde hair and these sunglasses and like gauntlets on their wrists and shit. Mm-hmm. And someone just like posted this image and and uh, captioned it. Me and the fellas watching Rumsfeld descend into hell. <laughs> <laughs> And I just posted that screenshot on Facebook and got like 1.2 thousand likes and two out of three shares. So imagine being so miserable. Like so many people were like, you don't have to say this, you know, you don't have to be so mean. You don't have to, you don't have to be happy that somebody died. Like, are you fucking serious? Like their lies literally got millions of people killed, displaced an entire country. You like, know, I, I didn't destroyed. see a lot of that. I didn't see a lot of that. Um, the way I did for like Margaret Thatcher and, I don't know, but I think it's, it's just one of those, like, anytime you have a, a, a woman who's a war criminal, there's always that, like, oh, yeah, but, girl, but girl power, right? Whereas Rumsfeld was just so, he's so callous and didn't even pretend to care about, you know, liberating Iraq. He was just like, yeah, we're going to go in there and we're just going to massacre people. And, and I love it. Like, he, I didn't see a whole lot of empathy for him. I saw, like, a couple, let's see. I saw several oh, yeah. so, like whiny liberals, but I definitely know some you. people in real life that were like pissed off at me for like laughing about it or celebrating oh, it, and it's just like, oh my god, go fuck yourself. Facebook, yeah, that and just in person, but also, um, it it definitely wasn't as bad as like Limbaugh, that's for sure, because people fucking loved him for whatever reason, and he was just a vile piece of sh- like a vile piece of shit. I forgot Limbaugh died the other day. <laughs> I forgot and I was like oh that, yeah I, it was like I got to experience it all over again for the first time I was like oh yeah he's fucking dead <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it's like uh yeah I mean the worst the worst and and the, I, I remember reading back in the day how his family would say he doesn't really think those things he just does it for entertainment value and it's like that's it's not entertainment talk radio is a political weapon Right. That's not he's not just putting on a sh- uh, entertainment show. There's you know. no script. He said these things, you know, unprovoked. I mean, he he came up with it. Right. He well, attacked and that's people. even it's even worse when you are, are if, if that's to be believed, it's even worse that somebody would say things they don't believe knowing the harm it's causing. You know, it's it's one thing to be a brainwashed QAnon MAGA whatever, but to know that you're deliberately misleading those people, you know, to to not take COVID precautions, to inject bleach, <laughs> you know, to yeah. support wars and shit. When you yourself don't even fucking believe any of it, like that's like that's 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 worse than somebody who's ideologically pure and just wrong uh, to do. Right. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well. Let's see. Where are we here? I haven't looked at our uh, recording here. Oh, wow. We're at an hour and 22. Where'd the time go? <laughs> I know. It kind of blew through that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I, I think this went okay. Um, I'm always a little nervous to record alone or without Anthony. So, um, Jules, thanks for coming on and, uh, and doing this. Anytime. I uh, absolutely, absolutely love having you on the show. Um and and you i mean when we started out this was a you know progressive quote unquote podcast which i was very much like we got to go further left the name <laughs> of the show is literally move left idiots um and you are someone who's always encouraged me to keep going further left and to you know whenever i hear someone on the left saying some anti-communist shit i'm like how would jules res- would respond to that how oh would and jules- i probably already like drag them <laughs> right 
Right, exactly. Well, and it's it's just like we're so people on the left are so afraid to, like I I have criticisms of China. I think the whole social um, currency thing is scary. I watched a documentary the other night about uh, facial recognition technology and how it's being used in all these ways that I've never even knew about or thought about. And they talked about how you know it's being used in China, and basically, but they said though, but China's being totally transparent about it. They're telling the people exactly what they're doing with, with, with AI and facial recognition and social currency. And here in America, we're doing almost all the exact same things, but it's completely hidden, and people don't know about it. So which is worse? And I was like, yeah, what the fuck? Well, <laughs> so, when they find out, you know, they, they defend it because it's being used primarily against people that they consider enemies. Right, are exactly. They're targeted anyway. Right. Whereas in China, it's predominantly people support it because they go, they think, you know, they, they say, yeah, everyone should be good neighbors and this will help that. Right. So very kind of a very different attitude. But again, it's, you know, it's their country. If they want to do that, that's that's their prerogative. You should definitely have somebody um, in like on at some point that can really like touch on that. I could probably recommend a few people. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, we really should talk about that because it was there's there's shit like what was it? Um, Amazon was using a what wasn't facial recognition, but they were they were using an AI to pre-screen um, worker applications, and they were coming out with like zero women being recommended to be hired by their AI, like because we had put we just you know whoever programs the AI is putting their own bias into it. Right. And it was such that it was like if you had taken any kind of women's studies class, that was a red flag. Well, how, how many women go to college and don't take a single women's studies course? Right. <laughs> like there's not not many. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, just the fact that Amazon would would think that if you've taken, you know, a gender study or women's studies class, that that's a red flag. Like says a lot about who they are um, amongst all the other I shitty mean, things about to be them. honest with you. The red flag is anybody wanting to work there. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, well, you know, in a lot of places, they don't have a choice because right, exactly. they come in and they say, oh, we're going we're to have 5,000 jobs at this new facility and we're going to build it outside your small town. It's struggling because, you know, Walmart already fucking shut down all the mom and pop stores. So right. that, that, that old cycle just drives me fucking crazy. But yeah, I, I've learned I've learned from you how to better make arguments for things that Maybe even five years ago, I would have been like, "Oh, they're, the you know this this leftist is bashing communism." I'm you know I don't really agree with them, but I'm not going to stand up and fucking argue against that person. And I don't know. I feel like I'm in a better place now, and I'll, I'll definitely do more research and definitely will take like, on those motherfuckers. And that's great. And I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, that were leftists like. I want to, well, I would say like the older people, right? So like 30s, 40s, um, we remember like Obama and like being lied to. So if you haven't moved beyond like, you know, standing for the squad and Bernie and you're still making these anti-communist arguments, it's like you haven't grown at all. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> pardon me. Yeah. You know, and, and Bernie, he's been, I would say, fairly anti-neoliberal but you know you listen to the way that bernie talked about sandinistas back in the 80s back in the 80s and you never hear him say shit like that no now. he's definitely regressed like, so it's kind of like the opposite yes he, he has i i wish you know we still had bernie sanders the mayor of burlington because <laughs> he was 
you know, like Bernie going around and interviewing punks at the mall and talking about communism and why it's good. Right. I'm like that that fucking. And if you can find it, there's a video of like somebody went and found those two punks from the mall that Bernie interviewed back in the 80s. And like talk to them today, and they're still totally like punks that fucking love communism. So like, they're, they're they good. held on to the roots. That's good. It doesn't happen often. Yeah. You know, people either change for the better or for the worse. So. Yeah, I know. It's it was so adorable to see them that they like basically not changed all in all that time. So, uh, but for everybody else, keep moving left. Um, right. So yeah, thanks again, Jules, for coming on. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Um, at Mrs. Underscore Socialista. Cool. And we have um, anything else you want to plug? Anything? Any? Um, any merch? Any uh, donation sites? Anything like that uh, um, on your radar at the moment? N- at the moment, I can post it on my page. A friend of mine um, is having a hard time paying for her grandmother's. Um, I guess. She, she takes care of her. She's her caregiver, and she's having a hard time yeah. covering that right now. Um, she just got a new job. So, um, yeah, I'll post that on my page. Cool. Folks, go check that out. Uh, I don't have all of our links because, I, I, like I just said, I don't host the show myself very often. But uh, we have a Twitter account for the pod. It's Move. I don't even know. I think it's Move Left Pod. I don't even know what the fuck it is. <laughs> um, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at Bike Slutty.